just really want to share, uh, share what I really feel in my spirit. God is speaking to me clearly about. Uh, it's both challenging. I felt my own, my own heart challenged this week. And, uh, but I'm also excited at the same time. It's, kind of a, it's a good thing. And uh, today I want to unpack a little bit more about what I started to bring out last week. If you weren't here last week, um, what could be so important that you could miss meeting together with the house of the Lord, the people next to you. It's a good time. Good moments, good experiences to come together. And uh, one of the things I, I talked about last week was, was, again, was about the story of Leviticus and uh, how God, how Moses had called called to Aaron. Aaron was standing off. But this, I want to unpack this a lot more today, and, and I have been actually speaking on Leviticus for a little bit. I've, I've kind of touched on to it. But Leviticus simply means this. The, the word Leviticus means he called. Somebody say he called. he called. God is calling. The he is not just a normal he. The he is God Almighty. God continually, since the beginning of time, God calls. God calls to creation, and he calls to people. There is never a moment that God does not stop calling. There are moments that we stop listening. But there are never moments that God is not calling or has stopped calling. The fact that you are here today is because somewhere God has called you. And I believe today that God is still calling your life. Whether you are confusing it, where other voices may uh, got a bit louder, God calls people. God called and creation came into being. God calls people. God calls lost people to him. God calls people to follow his son, Jesus. God calls us to, uh, into a sense of purpose. So God calls us consistently. God is calling you today, even in the worship time. I can feel God calling me. God doesn't call me just to sit in church. God has a greater sense of purpose for my life. God has got a, gr a greater sense of purpose for your life. I look at our young people. I can see the call of God upon you. God calls, the, the, even the way Leviticus is spelt, uh, Vikra, the little A on the end is often silent, symbolizing that often the call of God is silent. You've got to have an ear to hear in order to listen. It's not that he speaks uh, too quietly, but often the noise of other things in our life can kind of override things. Sometimes God speaks in a burning bush. I know God's spoken to people and literally... My good friend Anwar, when God first spoke to him, threw him off the seat in his, in, his, in his secret service office. He never asked for it, never did nothing. He was just sitting there uh, doing secret service stuff, and the Holy Spirit came and just pulled him off, uh, off his chair and, and uh, touched his life. That's a, it's a pretty whack call up from God. <laughs> but some people don't hear that. Sometimes God speaks differently. Uh, God, in the, when he was speaking to Moses, sometimes it was in the burning bush, up on the mountain when all the storms and the lightnings were happening and then all of that went still and there was the still small voice of God. God is always calling us. God is calling us as individuals. God is calling us as a church. God never stops calling. Today he's calling you. Today he's calling you out of where you are, uh, out, of, out of disappointment, out of brokenness, out of pain, uh, uh, out of defeat, out of confinement. He brings us out of that and not just to leave us in the place, but to bring us on somewhere else. One of the things I talked about from last Sunday was it was quite important that we understand the significance of uh, Moses calling Aaron, that the significance of the sanctification process. It started off where Moses sanctified Aaron and his sons. He sanctified them. He brought them through a process to flush things up into their life and to help them uh, 
get ready for the service to the Lord. Sanctification is not just about uh, putting unnecessary pain upon our lives. It's uncomfortable. It's kind of annoying. But the whole point of it is not just to get a kick out of somebody's uncomfortableness, but the whole point of it is to bring us out and prepare us for what he has for the future. You know, when, uh, when I speak into people's lives, it's not for the sake I get a kick out of. I hate, people, I hate speaking into people's lives to a certain degree. I don't want to cause people to hurt or anything like that, but, but sometimes it's, it, it's, it's what I'm called to do. It, it's, it's not always nice confronting somebody about their attitude. It's not always nice confronting something about an area of sin in somebody's life, but it's a necessary thing. It's a necessary thing because if I don't, that very thing that stops you will stop you from the will hinder you from what God has for you in the future. That's why. And this whole thing about He caused so Moses sanctified. Now I can tell you what: there is nothing like a sanctification process than working in a team together. <laughs> when you're working in a team together, you'll find all sorts of goodies come up. <laughs> How many people know what I'm talking about? If you're a businessman, you've got staff, and you try and uh, get them to, you know, add value to your business, and all of a sudden all the stuff comes up, it, you know what I'm talking about. The whole point of it is actually that we would add greater value into the world. And so this is why I'm gonna, uh, uh, just kind of unpacking this to start with. So the whole point of Aaron stepping forward was, one, leaving behind the, the failures in the past. Paul also said the same thing in the New Testament. He said, I forget these things are which are behind me, and I press forward towards the mark, the goal, the upward call of Christ Jesus. The, the call of Christ Jesus is upward, it's not downwards. That's right. It's upwards. He's always calling us upwards. And he also goes on to say, I bring my body into subjection, to, uh, in which by any means um, that I may win the price. He said he brings his body into subjection so it doesn't disqualify him from the reward, from the place that God has him to, to be in. And so one of the reasons uh, of sanctifications, one of the reasons of getting involved in a team and, and, and allowing somebody to speak into your life is simply this, so it doesn't disqualify your, so you don't disqualify yourself from what God has for you. A lot of people have a great call of God upon their life, but they, the one thing, one of the one things that I believe that the Lord allows us to have freedom over is a certain amount of sovereignty over our own life and, and what we think and how we conduct ourselves. And it's that very part inside of our heart that either uh, facilitates and helps us come forward or it doesn't. And that's why it was really, really important that we, you understood the whole concept of, 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 of sanctification. But two, that you, uh, when God calls you forward to the altar, that you can have the capacity to let go of the things that are behind you. Oh, yes, comes the rain. Love it. And you'll understand why as we start un un unpack this this morning. The word Leviticus simply means he called. Throughout history, God is called. One of the things you notice is this, that the, where the, the, the book of Leviticus is placed is not just a random placement. It's not just like the people that put the Bible together thought, where are we going to put these, uh, these books? Just toss a coin. It wasn't like that. Everything was designed purposefully by God. And one of the things when I was, I was looking at the book of Leviticus, because I kept on getting drawn to there, one you'll see, you'll notice that it's, it starts with a call. In Leviticus 1, verse 1, the Bible say that it says that God called Moses. That's why it's called, 
called. And then you find in, ver- in chapter 9 that, that Moses called Aaron up into his place, up into the thing that God had called him to be. And so one of the things you'll find is that it's also placed within two particular books. It's not a random placement. Uh, it signifies an important moment in the journey of God's people, both collectively and individually. That is why I felt in my heart that I've been fo- focusing a little bit on Leviticus, not just because of all the sacrifices and, and bits and pieces, but it's, it's, it signifies a specific moment, a specific point of the journey of a group of people. And one of the things I found for me, I feel God speaking to me about is this, that for you and for me and for us collectively as a church, this is a significant time, it's a significant uh, time in our history, in our, in our present, that God wants to do something powerful. And if we respond to that, our journey will be awesome. <laughs> but if we don't, and all of us will have that choice, if we don't respond, no response is a response. Uh, no response is a response. And I want to encourage you this, that you would have ears to hear God calling you through his scripture as we bring it forward today. In Leviticus 9, one of the things that we see is this, that we see that the people of God had a tremendous supernatural encounter or experience with the Lord. It says in verse 22, Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting. And they came out and they blessed the people. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. The glory of the Lord appeared to everyone. There was not a moment, there was not an individual that did not experience the supernatural demonstration glory of God. There was not one individual that missed out. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. So one, the glory of the Lord appeared. Two, and fire came out from before the Lord. We're not just talking about an imaginary fire. We're talking about a real fire that whoosh came out of the house of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat of the altar. And when all the people saw it, somebody say all the people. people. They shouted and fell on their faces. There was not one person that was left standing up. All the people experienced and, and felt the glory. Every person felt the heat of the fire of God come out. And as I was was thinking about that before, I was thinking, if that happened as it happened there, if that happened here in this place or anywhere in the world today, can you imagine that place would become the new Mecca? That place would become the new Christian Mecca. You would find that people would gravitate to that place and think, they'll be saying things like this. This is the end time revival. This is what we've been praying for. You'll find that people will gravitate all across the world come to that place. I remember even here when we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I think it was in the 90s, then then eventually it it opened up in Toronto, and people flocked for miles and miles and miles to come and get a touch of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about that. Can you imagine what they would be like? Can you imagine how, this, how everything would be transformed? You would think, what next? And one of the things I started to think about was this. If that supernatural experience was the goal, why not just stay where they were? If, that, if, the, if, the, 
If the experience of the glory of God and the fire of God coming in that dimension of power was the goal, why not just camp where they were? <laughs> was there any need then to move forward? And one of the things I noticed was this, was when the fire of God poured out in Toronto, people got so consumed with that, that if they, the people that stayed in that to a certain degree, didn't end up going anywhere. But what they didn't see was, through that experience, God was trying to do something in their life, and that wasn't the end of the road. The end of the road for us as a church is not just to have a supernatural demonstration of the power of God. We need that. We are called to have that. We are called to move in that. But it doesn't just stop there. Why not move forward? What? what so for many people, that for them is the end of the road. That as far as they see the plan and the purpose of God. Why not to stay there? And that is where a lot of people, even in today's world, and in, in, in our churches today, they would have a supernatural encounter. They will pursue the supernatural, what we're called to do, but that's as far as it goes for them. And then they wonder why life moves on and they find themselves down the track in no sense of purpose. If that was the ultimate purpose that God had for us, was there any need to go any further? <laughs> My encouragement to you is this. this, mo- this again, this moment of the supernatural uh, takes place between, between two books. It takes place between the book of Exodus and it takes place before the book of Numbers. Right in the middle of these two books, there's this outrageous experience. You've it was an imaginary fire. You felt the fire. You felt that heat. It consumed that very offering right in front of you, just like a barbecue. Got out of hand. It whipped that fat up. But it goes on to say, and I started to look, why is this taking place at this particular moment? One of the things you'll find is, well, what's that got to do anything? What you'll find is this, and I'm not going to unpack the whole thing for you, but what you'll find is this, the book of Numbers and the book of Exodus both have striking similarities. They are both about journeys. And so one of the things that you'll find is this extraordinary supernatural experience. It wasn't the only one, but it was a big powerful one, something that will be tattooed in your mind forever. It wasn't the only one, but it was happened when did it happen? Why did it happen then and not somewhere else? What was the whole point of it happening there? One of the things you find is this, there is a, both Exodus and Numbers have similarities, and right in the middle of it, there's a supernatural experience. They are both about journeys, but there's a big difference between these two journeys, and I started to look. Exodus is about a journey from somewhere. Exodus is a journey from somewhere. Then you have Leviticus, where God calls people into sanctification. God calls people to stand up into the, what he's called them to be. And then the book of Numbers is a whole new direction. The book of Exodus is, a, is a, a journey from. The book of Numbers is a journey to somewhere. And you'll understand the significance of this. The different, the, 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 there's quite a difference getting away from something as opposed to traveling to something. You'll find in our life that people are either, many people are running from something. And then they get to the point where they have stopped running and that's about as far as they go. 
I I really hope you're going to get this. There's a big difference. Exodus is the story of an escape from slavery. The word Exodus simply means that the English name of the book means just that. It means a departure, a withdrawal, or a leaving. In other words, there's a part of our life where we are leaving some things behind. We are leaving slavery behind. We are leaving captivity behind. We're leaving addiction behind. We are leaving uh, demonic bondages behind. We are walking away from the things that have messed our life up. The other, the other word, the, the word Exodus means is, means mortsor, which means a place of confinement or limitation. There's one thing about leaving something behind. In other words, walking away from something that you don't want. It's quite a different journey to stop to this place and then tri- the, your, your journey in life then either stops or it transitions to a point of journeying towards a goal. You'll find that the journey that all of us walk on will have a striking similarity to this. That's why he goes on 2,000 years later to say, uh, learn from Israel's history. Because the same thing happens with us, our lives today. There's a place in life that we can get to where we aren't tormented by the events of the past anymore. We are free from the abuse. There's no more immediate threats. Everything that had been pursuing the Israelites had now gone. There was no Egyptian army. They had all been gone. They had all been wiped out. There was no more threats. There was no financial debt. There was, there was just, they were in a space of, why go any further? It's, a, it's, a, it's one thing to run away from something that you don't want. And for, for many of us, we, we've been to deliverance retreats, some more than once. <laughs> we've been to healing courses. Maybe we need to take another run through. That's okay. It's fine. It's one thing to be aware of things that you don't want in your life. I mean, if you're in a, a Israel, one of the things that you will be conscious of is how long are they going to keep chasing me for? It's one thing to be conscious of your weaknesses or your failings chasing you consistently in the back of your mind. One of the things that you find is the journey that they were focused on were, up to this point was consistently looking backwards to see if anyone was chasing them. It's quite a different journey to then shift your focus into coming into the, plan, into the promises that God has for your life. And for us as a church, we can often get so preoccupied or so focused on the things that we don't want to get out, that we don't want in our life anymore. There's people here today that you've walked through deliverance. You're free from the chains of the past. You're in a place where you're not being chased by, well, I don't know, you may be, I don't know. <laughs> but you're not being chased so much anymore. You're not, I mean, even in our walk of life, you may be here today and you're, uh, financially you're in a good place in your life. You, you're not going to mortgage over your life anymore. You're kind of financially okay. You're not looking over your shoulder to try and chase debts anymore. You're getting a a good supernatural experience. You are experiencing some good things. But it's one thing to not be looking over your shoulder anymore, but it's another thing to then turn your face and to walk into the things that God has for you. Having a supernatural experience in the middle of a desert and not being tormented by the things of your past 
is not the ultimate goal that God has for us. Can you hear a pin drop? And this struck me to me because I, I, I started to think about it and I thought, well, what is the goal? What are you calling me to? I, I thought, and, and don't get me wrong, we, we need to pursue the supernatural. But it doesn't stop there. Our walk, your walk as a Christian, does not stop just at the point where you're not getting tormented so much as you used to be. It's one thing to stop having that off on your life. It's another thing to walk in fully into the things that God has for you. The question is, what is that? <laughs> what is it like? I spoke to my, one of my good friends today and uh, yesterday about this because I, I messed me up. Because a lot of my focus can often be the things in my life that are either chasing me or not right. And I get so consumed that, or I get so caught up in the now and the fact that, actually, I'm actually okay to a certain degree. I don't have, do I have any major addiction? No. no. Look, I can honestly say with a sincere heart, to the best of my knowledge, I, I, I'm actually okay in my heart. I'm not tormented by addiction. I'm not tormented by, I get the old demon spirit come around me, but I don't, I don't get overcome by it. I'm not, it doesn't crush my world. I can actually get up and I have seen some pretty, super, pretty wild supernatural experiences. I've had storms turn up out of nowhere. I've seen the dead raised more than once. I've seen extraordinary supernatural experiences. I've, but I'm still in my heart thinking, surely that can't be the fullness of what you have for me. I'm mean, sure I've gone through some stuff, but I'm not, I don't consider myself a victim. I don't consider, I don't, honestly, I, I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you. I, I'm not tormented by the things, I'm not looking over my shoulder in my life, you know. And I've spoken to my friend about it, and he said, well, actually, that's probably one of the most dangerous places we can actually get to. That we get to a point in our journey that we'll stop running that we have every reason in the world to just not move any further. We experience the goodness of God. We experience His provision. We experience a supernatural encounter. Why move forward? What incentive now is there to make any further decision? When you're running from something, you're full of incentive. Man, if you're being chased by a dog, you are motivated. You will go to every freedom course that you can ever go to. You'll read every book on freedom that you could possibly read. But once that's over, then what? One of the things you'll find is that motivation decreases with urgency. With a lack, motivation increases with urgency. Motivation decreases when there's no sense of vision or no sense of drive, there's no pull, or there's no hunt. Many of us will find ourselves in that position. You may be here today, and you're, you may be financially well off, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a debt, you don't have, you're relatively okay, you're, your house is good, your house is naughty, you've got good kids, kids don't hate you, you haven't got a kid, and you're trying to... 
Maybe you're retired, you've got some money in the bank, you haven't got any major debts, you're, you're actually okay. Why move on? You can come to church on Sunday, somebody pray for you if you had a hard day. <laughs> Pastor will give you a little bit of a curry up. Why move on? What incentive is there to move forward? For a lot of us, that's the space that we get to. And we forget that actually God has a whole new land. A set of promises that you and I are called to inherit. God is not, our, our, our goal is not just to have fire turn out of heaven. Our goal is not just to get to a point where you don't have any demons hanging on you anymore. There is so much more that God has for us to walk into and fulfill. I wonder what they could be. I wonder what they could be for your business. I wonder what they could be for your life. The more I started to think about it, the more I started to feel for us as a church, even as a church, we don't have any debt. Hooray! We paid off all that ages ago. There's funds in the bank. We have a good building. We've got a good building. We've got three of them. But this is not where God wants us today. We can come here today and this morning have a great experience and go home and be quite satisfied with our life. But that is not the fullness of what God has for our life. That is not the fullness that God has for your life. And for one of the things I'm feeling for me in my heart and for us as a church today, that let's not in our heart be complacent. God has called us out of something. God is calling us to him, to follow him. God is calling you to follow him. God is calling us into a place of consecration where he can get some other stuff, where he can start to shape your character because there is a wonderful journey in front of you that God has. There's a wonderful space that God has for us as a church and for you as individuals to possess. And your business, it is not God's plan that you just stay right where you are. You could and you'll be fine. No bad animals will come and hunt you down. But what if there's another place that you could get to in your walk with God? What if there is a something else that God has for you? By contrast, the number, and not, so you look at Exodus, they're running from something. And in numbers, the people have already left Egypt behind. They've spent a period in the desert. They've received the commandments. They've built the sanctuary. And they've had some wow experiences. But now they are ready to move forward. For us as a church, we've been through some bad things. You as an individual can be, have gone through some tough things. But now it's over. you'll find that we'll always have people coming in that are broken. So to, to a certain degree, this experience is perpetual. You'll, uh, by, by that I mean, we'll always have people come out of Exodus. It's, it, in a spiritual context, we'll always have people come into that, coming through that journey. But what I don't want them to do, and what I don't want for us to get to a point, is we've come out of something, but we don't know how to get into something. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, pastor's giving it to you this morning. It's one thing for you to get out of something. It's something for us to get into what God has for us to do. This time, they have to be thinking forward. Somebody say thinking forward. They have to be looking forward. Somebody say looking forward. They have to be thinking about moving forward, looking at moving forward, not thinking about moving back or what's been chasing them. In other words, they're more conscious 
God is calling them to be more conscious now on what God, what God is bringing them to as to what he has taken them from. Amen. Oh, yes. I love it. They are thinking not of the danger that they are fleeing from, but the destination to which they are traveling toward. The question is, none of them had ever been there before. One of the things you'll find is that it's easier to know what you don't want than to fully articulate what you do want. You'd think that the journey to something, put it this way, you think about, you think about the journey that you've been on in terms of running, and you think that was tough. You think actually that, but actually you'd think that the journey forwards is going to be a walk in the park, and in fact that oh, we haven't got any debt anymore, we haven't got any demons chasing us, we're kind of okay, we're not, you know. But actually you'll find that as you look through the book of Numbers, the journey forward was a heck of a lot harder than the one coming from. Much harder. You'll find Moses was quite clear in his leadership in coming forward, uh, coming out, but when it started to moving forward, Moses got to a point where it challenged every aspect of his leadership. So for me as a pastor, as for me as a leader, I got, so I was quite challenged about that. When I, I thought the journey coming out of something was tough, but actually going forward will challenge every part of my leadership capacity. But what God has for us, oh, it's worth it. What God has for you, it'll challenge every part of your being. And it's not the demons. But it will challenge every part of your thinking. It'll challenge your attitudes. They're not demon things. They get on, demons get on that. But what, it, what we're talking about is shifting your thinking. Now they're ready to more, move forward. It's one thing to know what you don't want. It's another thing to now be in a much better place than you were. But it's an entirely different thing to be thinking about moving forward. This is... What you all are feeling right now, or what most of you are feeling, that's how I've been feeling the last three days. I'm thinking, well, forward to what? <laughs> I've been meditating on that. You'd think the second half of the journey would be more relaxed, the people a lot more optimistic, the mood more hopeful. After all, the dangers had passed. Pharaoh had let the people go. They'd seen some miracle demonstrations. They'd fought to feed the Amalekites. What else did they have to worry about? They knew that God was with them and no force could prevail against them. Yet the journey forward from that point, that was all the stuff that was behind them. The journey forward, knowing all that, was still quite tough. The people were rebellious. God just wanted to just get some of them. Called them stiff-necked, stubborn. But I want to encourage you today that what God has for us as a church is so far greater than what we've ever walked in before. Amen. And I started to think about that, and as I started to think about all the things that I thought was the goal or what that promised land could look like, I was thinking, oh, it's a church of a thousand people. Well, well, no, that's not too... can't be it. I mean, it's going to be good. But there is so much more in the space that God has for us to walk in. The more you start to think about that, what is the goal? What is the space? What is the promised land that God has for you? 
not just to stay where you are, but to move forward and inherit some things. One of the things I found was, one of the things I want to challenge us, first of all, with is this. What hindered the people coming into that place of promise was this. One of the first things was their quality of thinking. Quality of thinking. It's not about whether you can pass an exam or not. It's not about the, your capacity to hold volumes of information in your head. It's not about your capacity to know every scripture in the, in, the, in the Bible. It's not about that. It's not about your capacity to do algebra. <laughs> but it's your capacity to whether you can see whether your decisions are taking you. Our ability to recognize our thought processes and see how that translates into our life decisions and where that's going to take us to. I know some very smart intellectual people making some dumb decisions that you can see where their life is going to. Literally by the course of their decision making, by the quality of their thinking. I can tell where people, to a large degree, where their life will be tracking to, largely by the quality of their thinking. Not whether they love Jesus, not whether they can shout a big shout of praise to the Lord. None of that. On top of all that, I can tell, to a large degree, the tra how a person's life will track by the quality of their thinking. I know some people that they didn't do that good at school, not because they didn't try or anything like that, but yet the quality of their thinking is very positive. Yeah, I can see that the way that they're thinking about life, the way that they're thinking about their family, the way that they're thinking about their time, the way that they're thinking about their finances, the way that they're thinking about where their life is tracking to, far exceeds the quality of thinking of some people They can know every mathematic equation there is to know. The quality of your thinking is not about how good you did at school. The quality of your thinking is knowing what God has for you, being able to see where your life is currently tracking to and the decision, because our, our lives are largely shaped by our decisions. There's environmental factors, but largely it's shaped by our decisions. And our decisions are largely determined by our, our either, some people have added their emotions, but, but at the, the quality of our thinking, our decisions are based on value judgments. In other words, we either know why we're doing some things and we know why we're not doing others. We know where this decision is going to lead us. We know where this decision is going to lead us. It's the quality of our thinking. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom. Here is a man that was perfect in every way, but he grew in wisdom. He also was perfect in every way, but yet he grew in favor. So if Jesus can grow in wisdom, in other words, his, the wisdom was about his thought process, about his life, is about the way he processed information, the way he, he, he decided on who he was going to invest into and who he was not going to invest into, who he was going to, what he was, every facet of his life was governed to a certain, obviously by the Holy Spirit, but there was thought, there was a wisdom involved in his life as well. One of the things that, um, one of the biggest mistakes that the Israelites people made was this, that they focused too much on the present. It's good to focus on the present, but if you focus too much and only on the present, you won't see where your life is tracking to. One of the things that they focused too much on was simply this, bread, uh, food and water. The, 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 uh, the immediate needs was all that largely consumed them. 
after experiencing the wonderful provision of God and the deliverance of God, they got to a point where they experienced the fire of God. They experienced the supernatural, but it never changed their thinking. They still in their hearts didn't think the fullness of what God has for them. They thought about their immediate needs, and one of the things I find is this, that even for myself, I've got to be conscious that I'm not just focusing, my life is not just focusing on my, my immediate needs. Some people, when you, you can hear it, what they talk about, the, the, the nature of their conversations. Are they thinking, are they talking about both now and in the future, or are they just thinking about now? I watch how people vote. When people vote, often it's, what will I vote for? What's the government or what's the, the political party that's going to best suit me now? as opposed to what would be the best political party that's best for our nation. Some people would spend days, weeks planning a holiday, but never once, not over a day, planning where their life is going to attract it. You could spend hours of your time looking at Women's Day or Facebook and things like that. Focusing on what the now, what, what's going on, what's, going, what's, what's happening in the world now. And never once actually start to plan for the future. What do I need to be? What do I need to build into my life now? What do I need to build into my thinking? Where do I need to spend my finances? What do I need to invest my energy into where God has taken me to be? If we get so caught up with the now we'll end up just being satisfied with the now and forget that God has got a greater place for us. He's got a greater place for you. Ooh, I'm going to roll on the floor and be like a dog in the grass. That is so exciting. One of the things I found is this. I went to IBM. I had, a, I had, a, um, had the privilege of going through a IBM Research Centre in upstate New York. There's a couple of things that really struck me out of this. One of the things that they said was this. Um, I'm not, don't quote my figures, but it was about 40 to 50 percent. This is, I met with some of the top top people. They said 40 to 50 percent of jobs now were non-existent 10 years ago. And they said that about four years ago. <laughs> about 40 to 50 percent of jobs now were non-existent 10 years ago. In other words, what people are employed to do now, the spaces that people are filling, that what they're doing, what they're creative, the ideas that they're doing, the ideas that they're generating, 10 years prior to that, they were completely non-existent. In other words, they've moved forward in the technological space. What they were doing, what they were spending energy on, what they were studying for, the jobs that were there now were non-existent 10 years ago. The question that they had asked was simply this, how then do we prepare people for such roles that are currently non-existent? <laughs> Quality of thinking. You can get so caught up with where you are now, but we forget actually the world is moving forward, technology is moving forward, politics is moving forward, law is moving forward, business is moving forward. Science is moving forward. Every aspect of the world is moving forward. Yet in so many places, the church just stays where it is. All they're happy to be is just to move outside of being tormented by demons. Forget that actually God has got a greater space for you and I to fill. If IBM can do it, 
If IBM, one of the secular companies in the world, are thinking, how do we need to prepare our people now for places that are non-existent in, in, the, in the near future? You put that into the church. Just say, for example, what God has planned for the church, for you, for us. What kind of thinking do we need to be, how is it that we need to be thinking about things in order for us to even to be able to get out of the space where we are now and to be able to even inherit, let alone sustain what God has for us in the future? For me, what I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm not, I can, I can tell you now, I'm not just thinking about numbers. I'm not just thinking about bums on seats. I'm not just thinking about Sunday attendance. What I'm believing for is this, that our young people, our retirees, Every person in our church be one, walking with a strong sense of identity. Walking with a strong sense of purpose. Not just them doing it, but they're committed to bringing the young ones through. I'm, I was thinking about, maybe our promised land looks like a school. So what? We'll get there and then what? You get to a thousand people attending, then what? Is that all? What say we had a church full of people that were one, they were strong, emotionally healthy. They were able to rule their own emotions. They lived with a strong sense of purpose. See, the Bible says in Psalm, was it 104? He says, uh, I brought out last week, uh, that the breath of God, he, he, God is consistently breathing and he consistently renews the face of the earth. In other words, we live in a generation that the world is consistently being renewed. Every aspect of the world is being renewed. Creation is being renewed. New things are being born. A new, today, a new blade of grass was born. Today, a new life was born. Today, a new business was born. Today, somebody entered into something. Today, somebody, everywhere, uh, today, uh, one bit of your skin died and another one rejuvenated itself. Every moment of our life, every part of our lives has the breath of God that God wants to continually rejuvenate. One of the things we don't want to be doing is our thinking just so focused on what we're running from that we forget there's a greater plan that God has for our life. There's a greater plan that God has for your, your life. Young people, listen to me. I don't want to ever hear you talking about that you would just want to quit school at 15. Because you're just sick of this and you're sick of that and you just want to get a job. That would tell me that your thinking, your thinking needs to grow a little bit bigger. Let me tell you what you want to be doing. If you have the capacity to study hard, if you're good at what you're doing, then give yourself to it. Don't just settle for there. Why not push a heck of a lot forward over here? I have a friend. He's, uh, I'll get him to speak here one day. He came from a broken family. He'll share his testimony. But when he was at school, he mucked around for a little bit. And then he decided in his heart to get a sense of purpose around his life. At this point, at, 30, at 40 years of age, he was one of the leading surgeons in his field in New Zealand. But he could have quit back there. And he walked now, but now he's walking into a space where he's not just looking back and dealing with his demons in the past. No, he's moved past all that. Now he's in a space where, how can I now inspire people that are broken to move out of their broken places into the place where they're pushing the field of medicine? I don't want you just to come and have a, 
a sorry Jesus prayer and go through a course and, and get released of your demons. I want you to come to a place where you're pushing forward, the place of business, the place of, uh, of politics, the place of every facet of our society, the space of education, the space of, uh, of justice. That's why I'm calling out for you, Sonny, because it's not just one thing to get out of a place of gambling. It's another thing to push forward where you're pushing the justice boundary forward. I'd be looking, young people, I'd be looking at terms of where's the world moving to? Start to look at artificial intelligence. Start to look at the, the things of, um, uh, of cognitive computing because that, to a large degree, is going to shape a lot of the world today in the future. What, they're not, what people are now starting to think about is where is the world going and not trying to catch up, but God has called us to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be the employer. <laughs> not the one that's being wagged. Don't just settle for where you are. Don't just settle for getting out of Egypt. Don't just settle in the space of, oh, it's kind of all good now. There is so much more that God has for us. If only we could see, if only we could imagine. May I encourage you, church, Start to dream about what you could be in the future. Start to dream about where we could come. Well, I want to be, what I see in the future is this. I want to see a, I see a, a whole lot of people, but I see our sphere of influence touching every sector of society. I see a people full of hope. I see a people strong in their identity. I see a people that are, that are strong emotionally. They're healthy emotionally. I see a people that can come to church half an hour early. Because they're hungry for the things of God. Amen. Not lying in bed at 10 to 10 and thinking, wonder if I should go to church today. <laughs> Who's preaching today? <laughs> what do you think, Jenny? <laughs> Is that good? It's really good, eh? You're awesome. Jesus. Oh, Lord, you've got so much more for us. Today, is God, God is calling to you. God is calling to us. God is calling to me. So we had a good conference in Auckland. Man. First conference I did was pretty big. Second conference we did was pretty big. So what? It's not going to stop there. We've got a church going in Central Hawke's Bay. Started to bring life down there. Not going to stop there. I've got my eyes on some things. I've got some eyes on, my, on some cities. We've got a media department that put some pretty cool things up on the screen there. But you know, if you want to hear what God, what, what a prophet, uh, Heidi Baker prophesied over me not, not so long ago, you, you'll have a media that transcends, that breaks the boundaries and, and reaches far beyond what you could ever imagine. So these young ones on the, on the media, I'm not going to stop there. No way. I'm not going to stop you just from coming through a deliverance course. I want to see you rise in the fullness of what God has for you. I wonder, if you ever closed your eyes, taking, a, taking the time to just close your eyes and to meditate and say, God, show me what you've called me to.
I know you've called me out of some things, but I'm not satisfied just to stay where you are. Show me, what does that promised land look like for me? Today I respond to your call. Today I hear you calling me. Today I will respond to your call. One of the things for me personally, I've got to practice what I preach first. I feel God speaking into my heart to consecrate me because there was no way that I'll ever be able to sustain what God has for me without having to go through a consecration process. I'm going to get some things in my own heart right. I feel God calling me in my own heart personally. But I also feel I'm calling me forward and I feel I'm calling us forward today. God never stops calling you. It's just we stop listening. We get so caught up into the now that we forget that God has got a much greater plan for us. God's got a greater plan for you. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. Breath of God, breathe into our lives again. Breathe into my life afresh, Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the journey that you've, you've brought us on. I thank you today that we, all the deliverance courses and all these wonderful things that you've provided that we can walk in. I thank you for the goodness that we have that you've brought in our lives now. Lord, I pray today that you cause us to lift our eyes. Spirit of God, come and breathe into our lives, breathe into our thinking. Breathe into our imagination, the fresh Holy Spirit. Awaken the giants, awaken the great men and women, awaken the Joshuas. That at 80 years of age would say, give me my mountain." Awaken the young people, Lord. Awaken those who are retired. Awaken the mums, awaken the dads, awaken us, Lord. Lord, let us live today with a sense of moving forward, not looking behind us. Holy Spirit, give us the grace, give us the fire. Give us the courage to step forward and to move forward into all, to the fullness of what you have for our lives. Come on, just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. What's that song we were singing before? Praise the Lord, O my soul. morning. Come on, lift your heart. 
lift up your eyes this morning. Come on, there is so much more. I don't know about you today, but I am going to be the first in this altar call. I'm just, I'm at the front already. For me in my heart, I feel the God calling me afresh. One, to, to a place of consecration and to step up to the altar, but two, to turn my heart, to turn my eyes, to turn my thinking towards, towards what He has for us in the future. It's a deliberate and a purposeful turning of your heart to stop thinking about what happened yesterday. Stop running from that. Stop thinking about the now and the present. But to turn your face and to lift up your eyes to the place that God has for you. If you in your heart today, in your heart you can feel the Holy Spirit calling you. So today I'm going to turn my eyes to turn. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my eyes. I'm going to turn my heart. I'm going to start to think about. I'm going to set my eyes on the place that you have for me. I'm going to set my heart, my eyes on the place, not on the now, but but on the future that you have for me. I want you to come to the front right now. I want you to make a response today. I'm here myself. I am here myself today. I don't want to get to the end of my life and still be wandering in the desert satisfied with a couple of supernatural experiences and never once walk in the fullness of what God has. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to get to a place where you see it but don't walk in it. Oh my God, breathe upon us afresh. Lift up our eyes, Father, open up our imagination. I thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are to prosper us and to enlarge us, to give us a hope and a future, not just for us, but our families, our neighbourhood, our city. I thank you, Lord, that you have caused us to be the, you called us to be the head and not the tail. I thank you today that you have called us to be the, the front and not the back. I thank you that you've called us to be people that will bring hope into people's lives. I thank you for that. I thank you that your ways are far above our ways. I thank you, Lord, your desires and your heart is far beyond ever what we can even ask or imagine. What we can imagine, Lord. Come on, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on. Come on, the Lord is with us today. He's with us. Worship of today.
to the person next to you. Tell them you're going to think forward. I'm thinking forward today. Come on, turn to somebody. I'm thinking forward today. I'm looking forward today. I'm going to think big. Come on. I'm going to think big. We're going to think possibilities. Come on, love somebody around you. Come on, believe in them. I bless you today. May the Lord cause your imagination to just run wild. Let's not just believe for a a primary school, but let's believe for a, a university that has the cutting edge on today's society. Cutting edge in terms of technology and creativity. Cutting edge in terms of where the justice system, government, education. Why not? What about business, new business ideas, businesses that that literally transform our society? Why not? Why not? I bless you today. Come and see Pastor Mike next week. I'm pretty sure he's going to be ministering. Have a fantastic week. Think big.